Now would you pick up your Bibles and turn to today's text with me, Psalms 111 and 112, read together as one. Psalms 111 and 112. Hear now the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. First, I have a question for you all. What is the third letter after K in the alphabet? Now, unless you are specially gifted or trained, most of you are singing the alphabet song in your head right now to try to figure that out. And by the way, it's the letter N. The alphabet has thus been ingrained in our memories from very little by singing the alphabet song and writing big letters on pieces of paper and so on and so forth. And knowing the alphabet in this way is really vital to how we learn language. Letters are the building blocks of words and sentences and paragraphs and you can keep going. And in the words of one author, Each letter of the alphabet is a steadfast, loyal soldier in a great army of words, sentences, paragraphs, and stories. One letter falls, and the entire language falters. 
Now, the reason why we are talking about the alphabet this morning is because these psalms that we just read are called acrostic psalms. Now, a psalm or poem is called acrostic when the first letter of each line forms either some kind of message or even the alphabet. In Psalms 111 and 112, the first letter of each line follows the Hebrew alphabet. And it's often difficult for English translations to capture this, but there has been some attempts at translations that do, and I want to share one with you of Psalm 111. Now, a quick disclaimer is that there's fewer words in the, or fewer letters in the Hebrew alphabet than the English, so in this translation there's going to be skipping some letters if you're paying attention. And I will... You shake my finger at each line so you can take note of the first uh, word or first letter. So here's another translation of Psalm 111. All my heart shall praise Jehovah before the congregation of the righteous. Deeds of goodness are the deeds of Jehovah earnestly desired of all them that have pleasure therein. For his righteousness endureth forever. Glorious and honorable is his work. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. In Jehovah is compassion and goodness. Jehovah hath given meat to them that fear him, keeping his covenant forever, learning his people the power of his works, making them to possess the heritage of the heathen. Not save truth and equity are the works of his hands, Ordered and sure are his commands, planted fast forever, forever and ever. Righteous and true are his testimonies. Salvation hath he sent unto his people. Their covenant hath he made fast forever. Upright and holy is his name. Verily the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yea, a good understanding have all they that do thereafter. Zealously shall he be praised forever." It's probably a wise thing that translation skips Q and X, but you get the gist of it. And there are multiple reasons why the psalmist would write an alphabetical acrostic psalm. One reason perhaps being educational and it's easier to memorize the content of the psalm as you just work through the alphabet. Or one other reason, as one commentator put it, could be that the praises of the Lord are able to fill all the letters and words composed of letters in all their possible junctures of composition. In other words, from A to Z, we can use the fullness of the alphabet and the fullness of language to praise the Lord. Moreover, these psalms have been labeled as twin psalms, as both have 20 lines and are organized into 10 verses. Both begin with hallelujah, praise the Lord, and both, as we've noted, are acrostic. But irrespective of form, both of these psalms are about works and attributes. Psalm 111 describes to us the mighty and wonderful works of the Lord and they testify to his divine attributes of righteousness, mercy, and graciousness. Psalm 112 is similar, but its point of reference is humanity, the righteous man. 
It describes to us the works and attributes of a person who reflects the very attributes of God in his life in and through his works and actions. In fact, I contend that there are three main bridges that connect Psalm 111 and Psalm 112. A smallest bridge, a little bit bigger bridge, and a biggest bridge. If we look closest to the text at our smallest bridge, we find that the principle of the fear of the Lord is a bridge that connects these two psalms as the last psalm of 111 touches on the fear of the Lord. And the first, psalm, first verse of Psalm 112 begins with the fear of the Lord. If we look at a slightly larger bridge, it's the principle of your actions make up the alphabet by which you spell your character. Your actions make up the alphabet by which you spell your character. And if these two bridges are two principles, our third bridge is a person. We find that a person bridges Psalms 111 and 112 as we see how God's works display his holy character in Psalm 111 and how the righteous man displays godly character through his works in Psalm 12, we will see all the more that these two psalms apply in full measure to the perfectly righteous God-man, Jesus Christ, who manifests the fullness of God's perfect character in the fullness of sinless human righteousness. Beginning now with our first bridging principle getting into our text is the fear of the Lord. And when we read Psalm 111.10 and Psalm 112.1, as I made note earlier, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. So it's pretty clear that the fear of the Lord is meant to connect these two psalms together. But we ask, why specifically the fear of the Lord? Why not some other kind of principle for the Christian life and understanding of how we are meant to live? Well, when we see how Psalm 111 recites the works and attributes of the Lord, such a recitation is meant to spark in us a deep and abiding reverence and seriousness for the Lord. And then Psalm 112 tells us how a person who has such a deep and abiding reverence and seriousness lives his life and what he does the fruits of the fear of the Lord. So if we walk through Psalm 111, we are given several different descriptions of the works of the Lord. They are great and worthy to be praised and studied. In verse 2, they are full of splendor and majesty. Verse 3, they are memorable. Verse 4, they are faithful and just. Verse 7. Moreover, the psalm seems to remind us of broader categories of the Lord's works, namely 
the works of creation, providence, revelation, and redemption. And if we work through these four main categories, we can see all the more how the Lord is exalted in and through the psalm. Beginning with God's act of creation, God created all things from nothing by the very word of his power. He spoke and the very fabric of reality was hemmed and woven together into space, time, and matter. And and that same word by which he created the heavens and the earth also upholds and sustains absolutely everything. The Lord is actively, currently, at this very moment, exercising his sovereign power to not only keep your heart beating, but the very muscle fibers of your heart strung together and the very cells that make up that fiber cling together and the very atoms that make up those cells bonded together. And the Lord uses his own spirit to do this. In the words of Elihu, who rebukes Job and his friends, he says, if he, that is God, should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish and man would return to dust. So the spirit of the Lord keeps everything together and actually gives life to everything. And moreover, we know that Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, is the word by which the heavens and the earth were made and the word that supports and upholds the entire universe, as is testified to us in John 1 and Hebrews 1. And so even from God's works of creation and providence, the Father speaks, the Son is the word spoken, and the Spirit is the breath of God that hovers over the waters and gives life to everything. And if our triune God displays his glory in and through the act of creation and works of providence, he all the more shows himself to us in his special revelation to his people and his works of redemption for his people. As our psalm in Psalm 111, 7 through 9 testify, he says, The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Out of the love for his people and the accomplishments of his purposes, God condescended to his own creation so that his character would be described and his works recorded in human words. The very Bible itself that we just read out of this morning is a testament to the love and humility of God. For an infinite, eternal, holy, self-sufficient God to be written with human words, read by human eyes, listened to by human ears, 
is like a baby board book meant to communicate how to repair the International Space Station as it orbits the planet at 17,150 miles per hour. To write such a baby board book that sufficiently communicates how to repair the International Space Station would be, quite frankly, impossible. And it would seem that it would likewise be impossible for God to be sufficiently taught and written, with, written of with human words. But as Jesus himself once said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God, the very source and creator of all language, has inspired different authors from different times and places to ultimately write the 66 books of the Bible that we have today. And in this revelation of himself, he tells us not only of his own character, but also of his works of redemption. As we read in Psalm 111, and whether it is protecting Noah from the raging waters of the flood, or delivering the people of Israel from Egypt through the Red Sea, or bringing Israel out from Babylonian captivity, the Lord is a God who works in and through history for the sake of his people and the love that he has for them. God's redemptive acts reveal who he is, and God's revelation tells us how we are to respond to God and his acts of redemption, namely with praise and worship and adoration towards him. As, as Psalm 111 begins, and also Psalm 112, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Thus we see how the works of God in creation, providence, revelation, and redemption testify to his character, which, according to Psalm 111, consists of everlasting righteousness, abounding grace and mercy, majestic holiness, and covenant faithfulness. And when we meditate on God's mighty deeds and his divine attributes, we not only praise him, but we come to fear him. Now, the fear of the Lord is often misunderstood, and it does not entail a terror and crippling anxiety towards God, but rather a deep and abiding reverence towards him. One way, one helpful way to think about it is that if you fear the Lord, that means that out of all your responsibilities, all of your relationships, all of the rules that you may follow, the one thing you take most seriously in your life is the Lord himself. In all your affairs, in all that you do, from the moment you wake up to the moment you fall asleep, you seriously consider your God and King. As you make all of your decisions, commit all of your actions, speak all of your words, He is on your mind. And in a serious manner, 
When you meditate upon God as the one who possesses within, within himself all perfection without any limitation or restriction, as the one who is exalted above all limitations of time and all succession of time, and in a single indivisible present possesses the content of his life perfectly, as the one who is exalted above all distinction of space, yet at every point in space is present with all of his being, as the one who has created all things, as the one who sustains the very fabric of your being, as the one who has given his own word to you, and as the one who has given you life and redemption, as you meditate upon this kind of God, you cannot help but take him seriously. And you come to a place where you truly recognize your own infinitesimal smallness and the Lord's colossal immensity. And out of this deep and abiding reverence and seriousness for the Lord comes the fruits of all wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praises endure forever. The fruits of this, of this fear and wisdom are outlined in Psalm 112, which leads us to our second main bridge principle, namely that your actions make up the alphabet by which you spell your character. This principle has been clearly established in Psalm 111 as the righteous, faithful, mighty works of God testify to his righteousness, his faithfulness, and to his might. But this principle continues to be true for the righteous man in Psalm 112. He displays his godly character primarily through his works and through his actions. According to the psalm, the man who fears the Lord deals generously with his time and resources and conducts all of his affairs with justice and integrity. The righteous man is not afraid of the future or his enemies. And if he is a husband and father, he works diligently to guarantee the welfare of his household. And he raises his children faithfully to trust in the promised inheritance of the Lord. But a special note that I want us to notice is that these kinds of works and qualities are not just for the righteous man in Psalm 112. There is a striking similarity between the Psalm 112 man and the Proverbs 31 woman. Just reading a couple verses from Proverbs 31, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We thus see that both men and women 
in different ways with different designs, utilizing different gifts, are nonetheless called to both fear the Lord, live lives of wisdom, show courage, work diligently, love their families, and give generously. And when a man or woman does such praiseworthy deeds, that person displays a godly character. That is, through their works and through their actions, they demonstrate to the people around them that they possess the same kinds of attributes as the Lord himself does. And these Psalms, Psalm 111 and 112, make this same connection. If you look at verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 111, they say, Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. But jump down to Psalm 112, verse 4, and it says, Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He, that is the righteous man, is gracious, merciful, and righteous. The same qualities of righteousness, mercy, and graciousness are manifested in both the Creator and the creature made in his image. And these qualities are primarily displayed in and through our actions. And so we do come to recognize that our actions make up the alphabet by which we spell our character. All of our actions make up our personal alphabets. And so ask yourself, what kind of qualities can I spell out with my actions? You can only spell words with the letters provided to you. For example, you're going to have a lot of trouble spelling the word audio if your alphabet doesn't have any vowels, just like Hebrew. Or if your alphabet is missing S's and P's, it's going to be difficult to spell Mississippi. Similarly, it is difficult to spell your character out to be generous if you lack giving to those in need. Or if the alphabet of your actions can only spell F-E-A-R, then your character is not going to spell courageous. Moreover, if the fear of the Lord, that is that deep and abiding reverence and seriousness, is the basis of wisdom and good works, as these psalms teach us, then our lack of righteous deeds testifies to our lack of the fear of the Lord. We constantly fail to take the Lord as seriously as we should throughout our days. And so, if you are honest with yourself, the alphabet of your actions is missing a lot of letters. And you, therefore, cannot spell your character out to be righteous, merciful, and gracious, as the Lord himself can. And moreover, there's no unused letters in the alphabet. All of them have a place. All of them have a function in language. Similarly, there are no unused actions for our character before a holy God. You lie once, that is forever in the alphabet of your actions and forever going to mark your character as a liar before a holy and perfect God. Stealing, thief, hatred, 
murderer. This is the result of the two principles that bridge Psalm 111 and 112. With just the principle of the fear of the Lord on the one hand and the principle of our actions testifying to our character on the other, we're surely doomed. We try to cross the bridge from Psalm 111 that testifies to God's character into being a righteous person that reflects Him, we can do nothing but fall through those bridges. But there's yet another bridge which connects these two psalms. And that bridge is not a principle, not an abstraction, not a rule, but a person. A fully divine and fully human person who manifests both the holy righteousness of God and the perfect righteousness of sinless humanity, the God-man, Jesus Christ. The perfect Son of God came and dwelt within and among His own people in creation, being born of the Virgin Mary, and thereby taking on the fullness of human flesh and nature, although without sin. He then lived a life wherein he performed the works of the Lord and displayed the attributes of God himself, as is testified to in Psalm 111. And he lived a life wherein he performed the works of a faithful servant and righteous man, as is expressed to us in Psalm 112. Indeed, working through the qualities and works of the righteous man, if the righteous man's offspring will be mighty in the land, and if the generation of the upright will be blessed, then all the more will the offspring of God, adopted by grace through faith, be mighty in all of the new heavens and all of the new earth, as they have been made co-heirs with Christ Jesus, who inherits all things." If it is true that it is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever, his horn is exalted, then the righteousness, honor, and generosity of the Son of Man exceeds all donors and all donations in all of history. As Paul teaches to us, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. If it is the case that the wicked man sees the exalted horn of the righteous man and is angry, he gnashes his teeth and melts away, the desire of the wicked will perish, then we see all the more why Jesus teaches the disciples, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If wealth and riches are in the house of the righteous man and his righteousness endures forever, and if it is true that light dawns in the darkness for the upright, he is gracious, merciful, and righteous, for the righteous will never be moved, he will be remembered forever, then all the more we see that Jesus is the righteous man who broke the darkness of death when the light from the dawn of the third day shined into his empty tomb. He, as risen and ascended, is remembered and will be remembered, praised, 
and adored for all time and forever as we behold his eternal glory as a never-ending sunrise. Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man, is the gracious, merciful, and righteous Lord of Psalm 111. And Jesus is the gracious, merciful, and righteous man of Psalm 112. And we place our trust in him to be our righteousness before God. And it is only when Christ's righteousness is imputed to us, given to our accounts, that we can truly manifest and express the good works of the Psalm 112 person. As Paul again teaches us in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is only by trusting Christ that we can truly cross the bridge of genuinely and sincerely fearing the Lord. And it is only by trusting Christ that we can cross the bridge of our actions making up the alphabet by which we spell our character. And so I now ask you who are here today, are you trusting in this righteous God-man? Have you placed your faith in Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man, who defeated death and lives forevermore. If not, I urge you to come to him for the first time and give yourself to him, trusting in him and his righteousness, and not your own. He is the only person who can save, and in our sin, we cannot save ourselves. And if you have placed your faith in Christ, is it the living and working faith of the righteous person of Psalm 112. Do your actions spell out the character of someone who has been baptized into Christ? Someone who's generous, kind, courageous, loving, and righteous. The wonderful words of Paul in his letter to Titus really summarize this, the main point of this entire sermon in Titus 2, 11 through 14, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And so know that in some strange and paradoxical kind of way, the only way that the alphabet of your actions can spell out a righteous character is if your alphabet is replaced by someone else's. That your alphabet is replaced by the one of Jesus Christ. And it's only when our actions are built upon his righteousness that we can truly 
be righteous, merciful, and gracious. And we wait upon his return when all of the alphabets of all of the languages, of all the tribes, of all the nations come together to praise him forever and ever in his eternal glory. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we praise your wonderful and precious name. Would you work in us so that from A to Z, our lives would worship you and praise you? Would you work in us all the more that our actions would reflect your character, your holiness, your goodness as you call us to good works so that we may be lights to the world and glorify you in heaven. Be with us as we go throughout our day today, as we find our rest in you. It's in your precious and majestic name we pray. Amen.